<laughs> Pastor, uh, Pastor Keith said, either you will be people that seek war or it will find you. There, there is no option about whether or not you're going to fight, but either you go f- looking for it and take the fight to the devil or war will find you and you'll be on defense all the time. So as Christians, we would much rather be people that are on the offensive and taking the kingdom and expanding it wherever we go, running, running towards the battle instead of running away from it. So that was a good word. Um, let's go ahead, Tammy and Tina, if you want to come up and stand by me. We're going to share some stories and just uh, say thank you for our trip today. Uh, we had an awesome two weeks. So uh, I guess the first thing is thank you. Thank you for praying for us. Thank you for sending us. It was every, everything that we saw, every, every awesome thing for the kingdom is part of your reward because you did the sending. Even though we did the going, you were with us. So we all get to share in that. So it was pretty awesome. I'll, just, I'll give you a couple things up front. If you want to put a couple of slides up there. All right. It's, it was good to go, and it is good to be home. It really is. All right, so that's, that's where Tanzania is, um, in the red there, in the continent of Africa. So for those of you that were wondering, uh, see over way on the left where it says Sierra Leone and Senegal. That's where Ebola is, okay? And it's not Bola's sister. That's Ebola. And, and then the whole rest of Africa is a no Ebola zone, okay? So if anybody asked you, like, where was it? Were they close to it? No. It, it would be the equivalent of if you were here in Pittsburgh and they had cases of Ebola in California. And, you know, somebody said, well, you're in the United States. Weren't you in danger? No, it was way over there and we were way over there. So it was, it was pretty cool. But uh, here's the verse, Acts 1-8. You receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. You will be my witnesses telling people about me everywhere in Jerusalem, throughout Judea, in Samaria and to the ends of the earth. So uh, at one point on our trip, we were having the discussion, are we in the middle of nowhere or is this the end of the earth? And it was a little bit of both. So we actually took our trip to the ends of the earth and uh, you went with us in our heart. Uh, so it was, it was pretty amazing. Uh, some of the places we went, I'll tell you a little bit more about. Uh, but for reference, that's where we were. Go ahead to the next screen. Just tell you a couple things that we did and Tammy and, and Tina and I'll share some more stories in a little bit. Uh, but we did some ministry to pastors, did a couple pastors conferences, got to pour some of the word into them. Uh, we went to an unreached people group in the Sonjo region of Tanzania. Uh, so it was literally like, hey, have you ever heard the name of Jesus before? No? Oh, would you like to hear more? So it was, it was literally like that. Uh, to be classified as an unreached people group, uh, that means less than one and a half percent of the population are Christians. So that was the region where we went to. Uh, we went with uh, Peter Newberger, who was here in February. Many of you remember him, Peter and his wife, Rebecca. Uh, their organization is called Keshaba Tribe Ministries. Uh, they're located in a town called Moshi. Uh, and then we, we kind of did some things around that area for the first week. And then we went to the Sanjo. Uh, we met this lady named Gina Helms. Uh, she actually has been living in Tanzania for about seven years. And she just recently did her doctorate on... Uh, I think the title of her dissertation was something like uh, Holistic Healing and Power Evangelism Among Unreached People Groups. Uh, So she uh, had been doing ministry in the Sanjo, 
And there's, there's 12 villages in the Sanjo region. And so what she did during 2014 was she organized six different teams to come. And each team went to two villages in the Sanjo. So eventually all 12 villages got ministered to. Uh, we were the sixth team. And so Gina's been doing there. She's been doing her doctorate. She's been organizing these teams. Uh, so she actually knows Peter and partnered with him and said, hey, will you, bring, will you organize people to come to be the sixth team this year to go to these last two villages? Uh, what was very interesting is uh, the last village we went to is the actual birthplace of the false religion that is entrenched in the Sanjo region. Uh, so it was, it was pretty exciting, and I'll tell you a story in a minute. Uh, but another guy that went with us, uh, we would do some house-to-house ministry. We'd do some crusades. And then there was a, an African gentleman named Mr. Kawia that would come and show the Jesus film at night after we would finish the crusade. So we'd be getting done, and he'd be setting up his big screen and show the movie. So that was kind of cool because the next day, I mean, they, they all come because they've not really seen movies. They, they love seeing it on the screen. You know, they, they may have heard about it. They may have seen if they've been to a big city. But they all come to the movie. So the next day, you're going house to house, and it's so easy. It's like, hey, did you stay and watch the movie last night? You know, what, what did you think about Jesus? Had you ever heard that story before? What, what do you think about that? And then they just start telling you. So that was, that was very cool to see how the Jesus film works in a context with people that have never really even heard before. Uh, and then all together, the, the group of us that was traveling around, uh, there were 10 of us from the States. So we had uh, a pastor from Arizona, a pastor from Maryland, uh, a couple from Mechanicsburg, um, somebody from Boston, four of us from Pittsburgh. Luke is from Maryland. So that was the group that went from the United States. Then uh, two missionaries, so that's Peter and Gino were part of the group that went around with us. Then we had four translators and two drivers. So this was a pretty large group that we were moving around to all these places. And it was, it was really cool. I don't even have this as a story to share, but the, even the drivers. Like one of the drivers, uh, it turns out like his dad was a Lutheran evangelist. And, and by the end of the week, the drivers even felt like they're part of the team. They're telling people about Jesus. They're witnessing. They're evangelizing. They're, they're getting words of prophecy from us. And they're just like, we are so, you know, they're, they're having this conversation with each other saying, we can't believe how we ended up with this group of people. Like, this is awesome to see people coming to share the words of God because they were, you know, they're safari drivers. They were only, their only context for seeing uh, white people come is to go on safari. And they're like, you actually came to share the words of God with people when you came all this distance. So they were just so happy that they ended up being part of the team. So that was pretty awesome. Uh, I'll give you a couple stats if you go to the next slide. Uh, the first five teams, so the first ten villages that had been reached in the Sanjo region, uh, teams one through five saw a total of 222 salvations and 138 healings. And then our team went to the two villages of Imdito and Saleh, not Sale, as anybody may have heard last week. It's Saleh. Um, so in those two villages we went to, just in the week we were there, we saw 192 salvations and 152 healings. And uh, that is pretty awesome. And uh, that didn't... Those, those were just 192. We prayed with them one-on-one, face-to-face. Somebody wrote down their name for follow-up. So that number doesn't count. Uh, like, you know, when we had people respond at the crusade, had like a group of 40 or 50 raise their hand and pray the prayer with us. That's not counting them because we didn't get all their names. That didn't count. Uh, we went to a school, had about 300 kids stand up 
you know, I don't know how many of them were first time salvations or just, you know, I'll tell more about the school later. But, you know, so that number is just verified. We prayed with them. Some pastor is going to follow up with them. So it was it was pretty awesome. It was it was like this just this breakthrough happened in in the region of the Sanjo when we went. So it was pretty awesome. Um, who wants to go first? I'm going to share my stories last, but I'll let Tina and Tammy share a little bit about what they got out of the trip. Okay. All right. All right. So um, I had about 15 days that I tried to condense down into two stories and just a couple of pictures for you, um, which was not particularly simple. Um, so I wanted to focus on the simple element of it. Um, and the two stories that I'm going to share today really bring home how simple it is to walk in our faith and how God is who God is everywhere and every when that he meets us. Um, so as soon as Dylan's ready with the slides, I want to talk about all the crowds we saw. 1,500, did you say that? 1,500 15. pictures? 16. 1,600 pictures. And that's because I had to put my camera down to pray with people. Yeah. <laughs> Tina was... Uh, Tina was the Bob Gelati of this trip. Like one time we took Bob to Kenya and I think he came home with over 2,000 pictures just because everywhere we're driving down the road and he's just taking pictures. So that was Tina on this trip. She was, she was the shutter bug everywhere. So she's only going to tell you two stories today. But if you want to see 1,600 pictures of Africa, or less. make an appointment with Tina to go to her house and have dinner with her and Sean and ask them to tell you some more stories and show you some more pictures. How are we doing, Dylan? We're getting it. No, I'm not telling a joke. I'll tell some stories. Size is encouraging me. Tell a joke. That never goes well. Um, I learned I learned that lesson. Uh, my friend Rick and I we we flew to Florida one time to do some worship at a Salvation Army church because my friend had invited us down, and uh, we were stalling for time. And, and this kid that was at the Salvation Army, this young kid, about 16 or 17 years old, we're like, hey, just tell a joke. We got some time. That was the, not the right thing. You know, picture whatever joke you want to picture in your mind that maybe is not appropriate to tell on a Sunday morning in church. But, but that is the, the joke that the 16-year-old told at the Salvation Army in Florida. So... Never doing that again. All right, Tina. All right. So we had all kinds of groups when we were in Africa. Here's a group that's worshiping. In the middle there, that's uh, Doug Johnson. He's one of the pastors from Maryland who came with us. Uh, Here we have a group that's absorbing some of the teachings of uh, Pastor Bob, who was from Arizona with us. Here we have a group dancing. Up in the front there, that's Ann Annie. She's a little bit of a national celebrity in Africa. She does beautiful, beautiful music and just worships with everything she is. Here's a group from the orphanage down front there. That's Nyman. He made a little bit of an impression on me while we were there. Um, Here's a group that just gathered for the crusade. Um, And believe it or not, the woman in the front center was playing peekaboo with me. So I dig that you're never too old for peekaboo. There were groups that gathered to play. We decided let's teach them baseball while we're here. Oh, and there's a little bit of traffic too. That one's actually for Trish, but she's not here to see it. So. And here's a group um, during the pastors' conference. 
What I like about just looking at crowds is you'll look at a crowd and you'll see a familiar face. So back behind the pulpit there, that probably doesn't look strange to anybody here. Um, But if you look a little right of center in a blue t-shirt peeking over her left shoulder is a woman named Oot. She left a little bit of an impression with me. I watched her for three days. And most of the time, she looked like she does in this picture. She couldn't lift her head up. And she couldn't smile. And so on day one, when we had time after the preaching and the teaching was done, I sat and I prayed with her. Now, she speaks Swahili, and I do not. That really didn't seem to matter too much. Um, But then day two rolled around. And on day two, I met some important people to her. This is Barak, her oldest son. And in the next slide, this is Abram, her youngest son. Now, those are two pretty big reasons to smile. So now I'm trying to put together, I've got a woman who won't smile, and two beautiful reasons to smile. Something's not right here. So on day two, I played with her kids, and I talked to her a little bit, as best I could, with someone nearby who could bridge the gap for us. But I still couldn't break through. And then day three rolled around, and it was Sunday, and Pastor Doug had asked me to come to church and and minister with him that morning. Now, I've never done that before. I've never gotten up in front of a church full of people who don't speak my language um, and and tried to really impart anything to them. Um, But we had a fantastic day. We had three altar calls. Um... We got people blasted at every one of them. And as I'm leaving the church, I'm thinking, Boot didn't come up for the altar call. And I'm sad. So I'm just about out the door when one of the the wee ones kind of stops me. And I'm, I'm fussing with them a little bit. And we're laughing and giggling. And I turn around and there she is. And she has tears pouring down her face. And she's talking to me a thousand miles a minute. And I want to know everything she's saying, and I can't. And all the translators are already gone because Mass is over and we've already exited the building. I'm just being a little pokey because that's how I am. And uh, so I see Annie over in the distance, and she's not a translator, but she can hold her own. So I call her over, and she begins to translate what Ud is trying to say to me. And we focused on some key concepts like forgiveness while we were there. And I watched her really open herself up every time we talked about these things, but clearly she was still holding on to some unforgiveness issues. So she begins to tell me about some of the things that had happened in her marriage. And they are not things that don't happen to marriages in America. They are the same things that we face in our marriages, that we know our friends face in our friends' marriages. I'm on the other side of the world, and we are no different. So I asked her if she was ready to go through the process of forgiveness, and she said she was. And we went through some prayers, and we repented of some thoughts that she had had of herself that just weren't right. She had thought that 
somehow the things that had happened were all of her fault, that she should be ashamed because of them. And with the Holy Spirit, she realized that she doesn't have to live like that anymore. And she let it all go. And as she let everything go, I asked her, go ahead and ask the Holy Spirit what he has for you in return. And when she did that, she fell to the ground. She held her arms out to her father. And she laughed. And she smiled this beautiful smile. And she got up with her head held high. And she embraced me. And in perfect English, she said, I love you. So that little face in the crowd really ended up meaning quite a lot to me. As we went on to the villages, we had more crowds. These are some school children. Um, You can tell, especially the ones in the blue uniforms. And they would just come up to us with problems in their knees and in their legs. And they're just these wee children, and they've got these arthritic pains. Um, And so we would pray with them. And then they would get excited, and they would start to run, and they would jump, and they would be healed. And for some of them, that was the first time that they had ever felt the power of God in their lives. Um, So that was very exciting. And this woman also was one of the ones who had come to us during the crusade with chronic knee pain. Um, And she ended up giving her life to Christ. She's one of our salvation stories. And this is her worshiping the day after she gave her life to Christ. And this last picture, um, I was kind of surprised to find this, actually, because I knew I wanted to share this story with you today. But the woman that's the focal point of this photo isn't the woman the story is about. (laughs) I actually happened quite by accident to catch the woman in the background, who is the woman who I prayed for. Um, was actually the last woman that I prayed for before we left Saleh. She had been to the crusade the night before, and she had asked for prayer for her sleep. She could not remember the last time that she had slept uninterrupted. And uh, the first night we were there, Chris Del Santo had shared his salvation testimony and made a great impact on these people. Many of them do suffer from night terrors. Excuse me. And so she went back home. She had a completely peaceful night's sleep. And then she came back out the next day and said, okay, your Jesus took away my bad dreams. Now I want to know if he can take away my pain. So we talked about the kind of pain that she was having and She just said it was all through her body, and she just kept saying, it's the worst pain I've ever felt in my life. It's the worst pain I've ever felt in my life. Did you have an injury? Did you hurt yourself working? No, no, no. Tell me what was going on when this started. So she said earlier this year, she had invited someone into her home who practiced witchcraft. And this is very, very common there. It's almost... Everyone you speak to has some tie or some connection. 
And so she said, after having this person in her home, and when they left, then she was left with this chronic pain. So I stood with her. And we just broke any curses that had been left with her. We broke any affiliations that she had chosen to make with the witchcraft. And I asked her if she had ever felt the Holy Spirit touch her. And she said no and shook her head. So I put my hand on top of her head, and I didn't have anything prepared. I didn't have any big words come to me from the Holy Spirit. I just said, in the name of Jesus, come Holy Spirit and fill this woman. And I knew the minute that it hit her because I saw it. (laughs) Um, But we prayed for a little while after that just for the infilling of the Spirit to soften her heart, to open her to the possibilities of a life with Christ. And when we finished praying and the translator asked her, did you feel anything? She said, I knew the minute the Holy Spirit touched me because all the pain left my body. No matter where we go, look for those faces in the crowd, make those relationships, and then be willing to witness with people. Because that little grain of faith that brought her back because she slept through the night led her to another one of our salvation stories. Okay, so um, the trip was kind of broken up into like three parts, sort of. It was the first part, like Pastor said, was that pastor's conference, and that was just cool to really um, help infill the pastors that were there. That is just so important to uh, encourage them and, uh, you know, give some good teaching. And Pastor, the last, I think that was the last day that we were there, there was a very significant thing that happened that I thought was a great thing. And um, pastor got up and preached. I can't remember what you preached on, but all three pastors were very awesome. <laughs> but uh, I, didn't, I didn't write notes. But anyway, um, he had everyone break up and just said, you know, like he does here, you know, break up into small groups and we're going to pray. And prayer is so important. And when you have people that get together in unity and pray, Big things happen. So it's so important to pray. But he had everybody break up and pray. And there just was a big significant thing that happened when that happened. And it was so cool because I kind of went in with, uh, they, they called the women their mamas. So I broke up and I got in the group with uh, three other mamas. And, um, you know, they're praying their guts out. And I'm praying my guts out. And you can hear everybody around us just praying real strong and they're weeping and they're crying and it was just, I don't know, there was something really special. And then I took my little hanky that I had and I dried off their tears and I kind of said, you know, this is like a special hanky now because, you know, these are precious tears that are from, you know, saints that are praying on behalf of their region. And it was just so awesome. And then right after all that happened, Pastor Bob gets up and he just gave a prophecy about how God's just going to answer that prayer and move from the, I think he said, north to the south and the east to the west, and and it was just amazing. So um, that was something very significant that I noticed on that first day. Um, And then, of course, Pastor and I got a chance to minister together. We went to a church 
And um, that was just a whole nother, you, you, you got to hear stories. When we get a, if you guys ever get a minute to just talk to us, there's just so many stories that are amazing. I didn't get to tell my kids this yet, I don't think. I told my husband. Um, if you think I drive bad, <laughs> you ain't seen nothing yet. There's like not many paved roads there. And uh, when we went to that church, this guy, it's like, you know, it takes 30 minutes and we, what time did we leave? We were late. So he was flying like a maniac. And so we're going on a road that you probably should only maybe be going 25 it miles kept, an hour. The road kept getting narrower and yeah. narrower because. And we're going up a hill. And there, you know, in Africa where you walk, there are just people everywhere on the roads. They just, and I'm sure Bola. I mean, there are people just everywhere walking on the roads. And we're driving down this road 50 miles an hour. And there's people, and he's like, you know, flying all over the place. And I was just, you know, we're holding on for dear life. And I was like, wow, that, that's crazy. These guys, and I told, like, some of the Tanzanian guys at the end and the, and the drivers, I'm like, you guys got skills. I said, that's an American term, but I'm telling you what, you guys got skills on your driving because to be able to do that without killing anybody is, yeah. is amazing. And one of the, one of the our little BB, uh, we had, I have to say, too, there's an 80-year-old man. And a yep. 75-year-old woman that came on this trip. They are amazing. Yeah. And they just, you know, stirred all of us by the way that they're bigger and just they were a prophetic couple. And they really ministered to people and their love and everything was just awesome. But anyway, she was in the car and I forgot what I was going to say. Oh, my gosh. It totally escaped me completely. Um, oh, she had asked the driver, have you ever hit a donkey or anything? And he goes, oh, no, not a donkey, because donkeys are so important. A dog, yes, but not a donkey. <laughs> but said, I just thought that that said, was kind of she, she kept asking him, have you hit a zebra? Have you hit right. anything? She, and go she says, what split. about a dog? And he yeah. says, dogs don't count. Right. <laughs> so it was, it, that was just kind of funny. But anyway. Um, but while we were there, we, we got to minister. And so that was significant for me because that was my first healing. Um, he gets done preaching. And he looks at me, he goes, okay, go ahead, have at it. And I'm like, okay. We had one translator. He's with him, so I'm going, and you know, when there's like a protocol, you're supposed to ask them, you know, what do you want prayer for? And I kind of get in front of people, I'm like, there's nobody going to translate for me. So I'm like, I don't know. So I just start praying over people and just kind of whatever pastor preached on. I was praying those things over people, but they have no idea what I'm saying. I don't know what they want, but I definitely could feel what, I mean, there were a couple times when I would pray over somebody, I could feel the Holy Spirit just come on them. And it was just like, whoa, that was really cool. But then there was this one woman who, she starts motioning up and down her leg and I look over and I'm like looking at the translator. He's busy with pastor. And I'm like, I got to find out what this lady wants. So finally, there was actually an elder there that spoke some English. I'm thinking, where was he on all this time? I could have used him a while ago. But anyway, he did come over, and, and we found out that this is an older woman who, a year ago, she fell, and she hurt her leg, and she, for a year, she's had pain in her leg. So I'm like, okay, good. I can pray for that. So I prayed for that, and I'm like, well, ask her how she feels. You know how pastor would always say, ask her, is it better yet? You know, so I... I asked her, and um, so they said yes, that that was better, but most of her uh, pain was in her hand. So I started praying for her hand, and we asked, how did that go? And then she said, oh, I felt a cooling sensation on my hand. I know that the Holy Spirit touched me, and she said, I'm healed. 
So my favorite term, when, I would, when somebody would say they feel better, I would always go, Asante Yesu, Asante Yesu, and I would wave my hands up in the air, which means thank you, Jesus, because all the power and glory goes to him because I didn't feel anything, and I just totally know that it was God that did all this work. So it was cool to be a part of healings. Um, uh, my other big takeaway, the, the other part of the trip after doing the pastor's conference um, is when we went to... Well, of course, not including the safari. That's a whole nother thing. But uh, Sanjo had two parts. Like Pastor said, there were two tribes. The first place, well, on the, sorry. Okay, but anyway, um, yeah, it was just amazing to me that anything could even live there. So that's why we joked and said we're going to the outer edges of the earth because it really felt like that. It's like, how can, but that's just, you know, God is so awesome. No matter where you are and who you are, you can be in the outer edges of whatever, and God cares just for you you know he totally cares for you about every little thing that your heart thinks about you know when you might look and think nobody cares about me or nobody is thinking these thoughts he's so is right there and he's so oh he's so awesome but anyway so we he sent us to go talk to these people so we go to to saw uh, to medito first and um, it was just ripe for the harvest. I mean, everywhere we went, um, we were broken up into teams. We'd go house to house. We'd pray for people. There were healings. People wanted to give their hearts to Jesus, and it was so awesome. Um, the second day that we got to go out, I just I thought about that scripture, how lovely are the feet of those who carry the good news, you know. And I just I felt that so strongly. We're walking up through this little mountain thing, uh, my little group walking up this hill, and the terrain just reminded me from the Bible. I, it, it's, I, that was my big takeaway. I felt like I was living the pages of the Bible, and I, always, I was remembering Pastor Dudley would always say, I want to do the stuff. I want to do the stuff. Well, we got to do the stuff. We got to heal the sick, cast out demons, and share the good news. It was just amazing, and I think well, Pastor will probably share. Blind eyes opened, you know, deaf ears, all of it. It was just amazing, but... Um, so that was my big, big thing was like, I got to go do that. So we walk up this little mountain. There's this one guy um, who had a couple wives and, you know, he was going up this mountain because he was excited. I think we met him at a crusade, crusade and he wanted us to come to his house. He actually, we were at a house. He found us because he knew who we were. Come to my house. Come to my house. And he wanted, he wanted us to come to his house and tell everybody in his family, is plural, about God and, you know, be touched by him. So it, it was absolutely amazing. But uh, we're walking all the way up this hill, and we got to sit under a tree. And so if you can imagine, and I, I didn't bring any pictures. I didn't get it together. But we're up on this little mountain thing. The view was awesome, and we're all sitting under this tree, and this girl is there. And, um, you know, so our protocol was one person would share. So, you know, and we're sitting up there. I'm like, I want this one. <laughs> so I... I want to do this one. So, you know, I started sharing the good news and telling her how we came all the way a long way just to tell you about Jesus, just to tell you about the good news. So that was exciting to me. And that kind of renewed a passion in my heart. Like of all the things that we did, the healings were awesome and just all these things. But to me, sharing the good news to G about Jesus was just a passion. It's like, man, that's just got to be number one. It's just like what? Tina said, witness to people, because it's, it's number one. It's, it's life-changing. Um, Soleil. <laughs> that, was, that was fun. <laughs> that was a place um, 
We were told ahead of time that this tribe, as Pastor said, there was um, a, a beginning of a false religion there. So there were like two kind of spiritual influences. One was fear, and what was the other one? A mocking spirit. But you could tell when we were at, well, I'll let you tell the story. You're going to tell that story? Okay, I'll let you tell that one. But anyway, um, there was just a, there was, let's just say there was some spiritual warfare going on there. And can I share about what Chris Del Santo saw? Do you think that would be okay to do? Um, Chris Del Santo, um, if you know anything, there's seers. There are real people that can see things that are going on in the spiritual realm. And not too many people have that gift because that's quite a burden to carry. But he can see things. And he, when he was giving his testimony, which is a powerful testimony in itself, he said he saw like this humongous demon come up. And it was like bigger than a mountain. And he roared. And after he roared, like thousands of demons kind of like came down. And he said that's the first time that he's ever seen something like that happen where the demons actually outnumbered the angels. And he wasn't afraid about that but because he, he knew that God had it all under control. But it was just something that he saw that was going on. So excuse me if you think I'm a little weird talking about this kind of thing. But this is, there's really some things that happen in the supernatural that you don't see with your natural eye. But when we were having worship the next day, which we would do, you know, we did it every morning before we go off. Um, we had worship. And he said he looked up into the sky and he saw this humongous angel. And he raised up his rod and after... Doing that, he saw, like, thousands of angels with um, all these demons that were caught up in nets. So, like, all the demons were all, it's like God totally had it, and he cleared them all out. And then yeah. when, he, when we went to Saleh the next, that afternoon, he's like, I don't see any demons anywhere. So it was just like, there was a real, true spiritual war that was going on there. So, you know, you're praying and praying out in Psalm 91, and just all the prayers and everything really made a difference. Um, our trip um, Gina had said the amazing unity that we had was just unbelievable. It was palpable. We really uh, shared with one another. Um, the Tanzanian folks that were there said that they so appreciated our love towards them and the fact that we didn't turn our noses up at their food. They were like, they never complained about anything. And we pretty much had rice and, yeah, rice every day and, you know, <laughs> that kind of thing. But we never did complain because we just really were on a mission. And everyone there really knew we were on a mission, we were on assignment, and none of that stuff mattered. Um, so it, it was truly it was truly an awesome time. I'm just trying to think if there's anything else that I wanted to say. Um, I think I'm good. Yep. Cool. All right. I am going to share some stories, and then we're going to be done, and we're going to go hopefully watch the Steelers. Carol told me this morning, she said, while you were gone, the Steelers really went off and did well. And she's like, if they lose today, you might have to go back out of the country. So, uh, so I just want to share a few stories with you. How many of you know that when you are on assignment, nothing can stop you? And that, that is really what we felt the, the first night we were in Moshi at Peter's house just praying. We really felt the commissioning from the Lord that we were on assignment. And no matter what we encountered, the devil had already lost. There was nothing he could do to hinder us. Uh, Tammy mentioned feeling like you were living out the pages of the Bible. Uh, the stories that you read in the Bible where it talks about Jesus went and healed all of the sick among them. 
we were seeing that. I, I think in the entire two weeks we were there, I can remember maybe two, possibly three people that I prayed for that didn't receive an instantaneous, complete, actual healing. So, I mean, it was just... It, it's so easy. I just, I keep having, I had pictures of Karen Mack singing. It's so easy. It's so easy. But that, that it really, it's really what it felt like because there was such breakthrough. Uh, the pastor's conference was awesome just to get to be able to pour into men uh, that are leading and men and women that are leading the church there. Uh, maybe even adjusting some wrong concepts that we had. We talked this morning in Sunday school that, uh, my, my friend, Pastor Bob, got to share a message with the pastors about this is how you do deliverance. These are the principles and the authority you have, because in, in Africa, a lot of places, deliverance means uh, we scream at them. We beat them with sticks and pour oil all over their head and hope that that takes care of the demons. And, you know, Pastor Bob got to adjust some things just to remind you don't have to raise your voice. You have authority. You just you take your authority and work with it. So that was pretty cool getting to see some things adjusted, even in the pastors. Uh, the Sunday that we went to the church, Tammy was talking about. I uh, saw some people get healed, hip pain, back pain, leg pain. So if, if you're having any of those this morning, just receive the faith to encounter that in your body as well. Uh, I was going around praying for some people, kind of giving them some words, prophesying over them. And finally, uh, I really felt like, no, ask this lady what she needs. So I asked this, this lady, what do you need? And she says, I've, I've been having tremors in my hand and I can't see out of my left eye. I'm like, oh, okay. So we, I start praying for her hands. And, and they were still trembling a little bit. But I said, what are you feeling? She says, I, she made this sewing motion. She's telling the translator, I feel like somebody is working inside my wrist. Like there's something going like this in there. And it was visibly a little bit less. Uh, so then I start praying for her eye. And uh, all of a sudden she starts getting sight back. And it was, it was like, you ever see somebody that their eyes are just kind of gray with cataracts or just cloudy? Uh, by the time we left the church that afternoon, we're going through the line, shaking hands with everybody after church. Her eyes were visibly clear, like the gray, the cataracts, whatever it was, had gone away. And she's like happy. I mean, you, you talk about being a happy person. She was happy, happy going through the line, just shaking my hand and waving her hand. And her eyes were, were clear. So that was she was the first of probably like four or five ladies that I, we prayed for during the week that had some kind of, I don't have sight now in one of my eyes, and by the time we're done praying, they can see again. You know, they're, they're, they're back, you know, 10 feet away. We're, we're making them cover up their good eye. Like, tell us how many fingers we're holding up. And they're like, yeah. So it was, it was awesome seeing Jesus heal people and restore things to them. Uh, after we did the, the ministry the first week, we did the trip to Sanjo. Uh, here, just for your idea to wrap your brain around it, it was only about 80 miles away. So, so where we were in Moshi and Arusha, it was only about an 80-mile trek to the Sanjo, but it took about six and a half hours. So that gives you like an idea. They were worse than PennDOT roads in the middle of wintertime with all the potholes. It, it was really bad. So that's about how long it took us to get there. Uh, we got to Imdito, and uh, the pastor there, the, he's the bishop. Uh, of the, the local pastors that are there, uh, he was supposed to have a letter of permission for us to go to the first village, and there were hang-ups getting the letter. So it was like, oh, you know, didn't you take care of this? You know, in our American mindset of we have to have a schedule, we have to go, we have to do, it's, it's like, oh, you know, what's the hang-up and all this? But God really orchestrated it because we got an opportunity to minister to the pastor and his wife. 
And as we're praying, he's just, he's boo-hoo balling, getting touched from God. Uh, and his wife's getting touched after we get done praying for him. Like, like literally, as soon as we say amen, we're done praying for this guy, somebody walks in the door and says, hey, I got the letter. You know, we can go to the village now. So it really was God orchestrated it. He tells us on the way to the village, he says, what everyone on the team prayed for me and prophesied over me. He's like, there are all the questions that I have been asking God for several years now. Every one of them got answered as, as you were praying and speaking over me. So never let changes in your schedule be a reason to complain and think that there are hang-ups and delays. Look for opportunities. Where is God moving? What, what is he doing that we can partner with that, that isn't really a delay? It, it might be a delay in our economy of things and the way we understand, but we should look for where is he at work and what's he going to do? Because it, it really ministered to that guy, and he had some really cool things to say afterwards. Uh, so then we went to the village of Indito. Uh, we got welcomed by the, the political chairman and another government official that were there. Uh, I don't remember what their names were in Swahili, but their names meant food and gatherer like that. That those were the two guys that welcomed us to the village of Mdito is is gatherer and food. So we're like, OK, this, there's something prophetic here. God's about to break something out uh, before we even before we even left the place where we got welcome. I look over and there's Richard and Carol. They, they're praying for the, the political guy. They're praying for his dad. And he's getting healed of like years of back pain and hip pain, not using his cane anymore. I see him all of a sudden walking down the street. So that was like as soon as we got there, stuff starts happening. Uh, we had the first house that Tammy and I went to. We were on the same team for the first day of house to house ministry. Got to pray for a lady. She got her sight back in her eye. So it's like, hey, God, there's a theme here of what you're doing this week. Uh, so that was pretty cool. Um, Richard and Carol. So that, this was the 80-year-old and the 74-year-old couple. You know Richard and Carol, don't you? Because they work at Global. So they're, they're awesome people. He is so full of life at 80 that I'm just like, God, please, when I'm, when I'm 60, let me have the energy that he has at 80. And they're just on fire for God. So, so they're, they had this cool story that I wanted to share. Because it's another thing about don't look at how the circumstances play out to see how things are really going. Uh, our missionary friend Gina, she was in a group with Richard and Carol. And so they're going to do house to house. And Gina's really concerned because she's like, oh, they're, you know, they're older. I don't want them walking all over creation. And, and so this guy that they're with, he's telling them, okay, Gina, you know, she's like, we're walking and we're not seeing any people. You know, it's, and we're walking and we're walking and we're like, where's the people? And the, the guy that they're with tells them, says, See that hut over there? That's where we're going to go. And Gina's looking at it like, I can't take Richard and Carol all the way over there. They're going to be wiped out for the rest of the trip. So she says, Richard and Carol, why don't you wait here, you know, or turn around and start heading back, and I'll go with the guy. And so Gina is all concerned, like, oh, this is, this is a waste of our time and everything. Well, where she went, some good things happened. But where Richard and Carol turned back, they started walking back, and there's like, oh, there's a group of guys under that tree over there. So they head over to the tree, start talking with the guy. And, uh, you know, here, here are the Americans. We're, we're in our T-shirts. And you know, I had long pants on, but we're hot. You know, it, it is hot. Here's the Africans. This guy's sitting under the tree wearing, like, two coats and long pants and a, and a knit cap over his head because uh, they're not hot. <laughs> and uh, so Richie and Carol go over and they start talking to him. They said, well, hey, we wanted to tell you about Jesus. We've come to share good news. Have you ever, and Richard just gets this, this word of knowledge. He's like, 
just this boldness, like he's, he actually goes up to the guy and says, would you like to feel the power of God? Have you, have you ever felt the fire of God and his power? And the guy's like, no, I, I would like to feel that. So Richard just says, hold out your hands. So this guy holds out his hands and Richard just starts praying. Lord, touch him. Just touch him with your power. Touch him with your fire. This guy starts sweating, starts peeling off his jacket and telling his friends around him, I don't know what's happening. I'm so hot. I feel like I'm burning. So he's trying to get his coat off. And it was literally the fire of God starts hitting this guy. And he's so hot. And he's telling his friends, like, you have to feel this. You, you have to let them pray for you and do this. So it was amazing. They had a revival right there under the tree. All those guys got saved and got to experience the power of God that he was real. So that was, that was just amazing, phenomenal. Uh, one of my favorite stories of the, the first day of house to house ministry uh, I think it was Tammy and Peter and I went to this house and uh, whoever our translator was. And there was a couple there with a young child. And so we're, we're telling them. And uh, part of the deal was they wanted us to build relationship with them. Don't just go in and say, we're here so you can get saved. Because apparently that has been the pattern in anybody that's been there in the past. And uh, it's like, that's repulsive to people. They want to know that you love them, that you care about them, that you want to hear their stories. So we're making some small talk. Hey, we just happen to be in the neighborhood, you know, 8,000 miles away. So we thought, we thought we'd drop in since we just happened to be here. So we're talking with them, hearing a little bit about their story. Uh, they had a young child. And uh, so I'm, I'm telling the guy the story. You know, Jesus, Jesus came to earth to live you know, so that man could be restored to relationship with God. And after we get done, he accepts Jesus. Then Tammy's ministering to his wife. Well, while we're talking, uh, the wife's grandmother comes in and sits down over by the wall. And uh, she tells us that she is a Christian. Because apparently at some point in the past in that area, many years ago, uh, Lutherans and Catholic missionaries had come through. So there are a few Christians around. So she tells us she's a Christian, and uh, while we're sitting there, Peter, Peter says, i got a word of knowledge. I need to ask this lady. He says, do you have pain in your back right here? And she says, yes, that's exactly that spot. I have pain right there. So we start praying for her, and that pain completely goes away. It's, it's gone. She's like, oh, well, that feels much better. Let me tell you everything else. So then she starts telling me, uh, she's like, I, I have this pain that, that starts in my head, and it goes down through my chest all the way down to my leg, which was very significant for knowing some things later on when we prayed for people because we started hearing the same symptoms in many people. But she says, I have this pain. So we start praying for healing a little bit. And she's like, well, it's a little bit less, but I, I really, it's still there. And it feels like something's going up and down in my chest. I have this pain here. And Peter says, ah, this, this is familiar to me. I've seen this before when people have had involvement in witchcraft. It's like that's a common thing that they say, this is what I'm feeling. So we start leading her in this simple prayer of like, you know, God, forgive me. I renounce any involvement I've had in the past with witchcraft, any doors that's opened. And so while she's praying this prayer, her face changes and she gets this like mocking smile on her face. And very loudly in Swahili, she says, we have failed. <laughs> and and uh, Peter says, you're darn right. You failed. Now come out in Jesus name. <laughs> And, and so the minute the minute he says that, boom, her face changes back and she says, all the pain has left my body from the top of my head down to my feet. I feel completely fine. I feel she says uh, the one lady, I don't remember if it was her or another lady. I prayed for a very similar story. She says afterwards, I feel lighter, like something left my body. 
So it's like, yes, go Jesus. Uh, even though just because the region hasn't heard the name of Jesus doesn't mean the name of Jesus isn't full of power and that every knee has to bow. So the, so the we have failed was like one of our favorite stories for the trip. We, we'd look at each other and say, we have failed, and then we'd laugh about it. Um, so that was pretty cool. Uh, at the, the first night crusade that we had in Imdito, there were about 250 or 300 people there. And uh, we found out later from a pastor that's in that region, he says the village of Imdito only has like five or 600 people. So, so this meant half of the village came to the crusade to hear about Jesus and to get touched from him. So it was pretty awesome. The first night, uh, had another lady with a blind eye get healed. She came back the next day to give testimony to everybody else because she could still see and she was excited. Uh, we had uh, the town drunk showed up, uh, which... which Peter said, for some reason, it's, it's like the devil stirs it up or something happens. It's like whenever they go do open air crusade, the town drunk always comes and like wants to come right up front to whoever's speaking and like hug them and get in their face. So, so Lucas was this guy's name. He was the town drunk and uh, he comes in and tries to be right in the middle of everything. And Peter just kind of takes him by the arm and leads him back. Uh, I think at that point, Chris and I were in the back. We, we had gone back to stand next to this guy that was trying to curse us. He had his little sticks. He was shaking his sticks at us and lining them up on the ground and yelling things at us. But uh, we're back there with him and he brings Lucas back. And so we start praying, God, sober Lucas up deliver him just just make him in his right mind whatever and uh, so we prayed for him and he was he was kind of he kept saying i love jesus i love jesus i i find out later uh lucas got saved because his uncle was uh, some kind of lutheran missionary or something but his uncle had forced him like you are going to receive jesus and and or else and that was what made him start drinking and it, it had been like 15 or 20 years that he had been a drunk since uh 1983, I think he said. So maybe longer. Wow. Maybe 30 years. So this, this guy's he, everyone knows him. He is the town drunk. So the next day after the crusade, when we go to start doing house to house, it was like a day of follow up. Like, cause you're thinking, am I going to see these people again? What's going to happen? So the first hut we go to, I'm talking to this guy and it's the place where Lucas lives and he comes over and uh, he's listening to us share. He's like, I want to stop. He's like, I, I am done. The people of the village will see my life transformed and they will know that Jesus is real. So I start praying for him. You know, he starts boohoo balling. I, I'm telling him, like, you know, God welcomes the prodigal home. And, you know, when we come to our senses and return to him, he, and I'm giving him this big hug and he's crying. And the people there are staring at him like, what's, what's going on? They're like, that is not Lucas. He is different. And he gets up from praying and he says, I must, I must throw all my tobacco away. And he, he gets out of his pocket and he's got like papers to roll his own cigarettes and all his tobacco. And he's over like throwing it into the bushes. And before where he was like this loud, boisterous drunk, like I am Lucas. Oh, I love Jesus. He got quiet and pensive. he's just, he's sitting there thinking. He's, and that night at the crusade, I saw him again. I said, how are you, Lucas? He says, I am clean. And so it was like, we're just, we're praying for Lucas. Because that's, that is really, you know, Jesus is in the business of transforming lives. He, he is not just a savior. He transforms our lives and, and causes us to live differently. So that was cool. Uh, so it was the follow-up day. We saw Lucas, the second uh, hut that we went to. It was the lady whose eye got open the night before. She, I was like, can you still see? And she's like, yes, of course. And uh, so we're praying. 
uh, it was her daughter said she was having this pain. So we're praying for her daughter to get healed. And the first time we pray, she says, oh, the pain's a little less. The mom who got healed in her eye, she tells her daughter, hey, you don't forget Jesus healed my eye. He can heal your back too. So like now the mom's on board for Jesus, like being the testimony, telling her daughter, you, you must believe that Jesus is able. So that was pretty cool. And then the, the second night at the crusade, uh, very segregated society by gender and by age. So it's like the men don't mix with the women. Then it's like, here's the young guys. Here's the older guys. Here's the elder guys. So they're, they don't really mix that much. So, uh, at the, the crusade, like where we were speaking under this tree, lots of kids, lots of women. They, they come out, they gather around, and the men kind of stand on the outskirts. And they, they're listening from a distance because it's, uh, it's a very shame-based culture. You don't want to mix. You don't want to step out and be different. So uh, there's all these young boys, uh, like the young warriors, maybe the 18 to 22 crowd. They're over by this house, and they're just kind of listening. And uh, at, at that point... I think Doug was doing the speaking. He gave a, a altar call for if you want to receive a father's blessing. And, you know, a bunch of them had already received Jesus. He says, if you want to be blessed by the father, just come up. So all these guys, which was cool, all these guys came out, uh, probably like 40 of them. And sure enough, like I go over to be praying the blessing with them here right next to each other. One, two, three are three guys who I was at their house that morning. I'm like, God, how does that work out that, you know, it's just like there's Thomas, there's uh, Leonard and I forget the other guy's name, but they're right there. So I'm like, I was at your house today. Let me pray the father blessing on you. So while we're praying all this stuff, one of the translators comes over and says, Pastor Chris, will you come with me? The, the young guys that are over watching from the distance, they want you to pray for them, but they don't want to come out. And so I'm like, yeah, we'll go over there. So I go over there. We're praying with them. Two of them told me the night before they had given their life to Jesus. One of them said, I, I want to give my life to Jesus today. So I pray with him. I'm asking him his name. He says, my name is David. Daudi was is how you say it in Swahili. But uh, he says, my name is David. And I, so I'm telling him, hey, there was a mighty king in the Bible. Because they're all about the warriors. They want to be strong men. I said, there was a mighty king in the Bible named David, you know, that you need to go and uh, find the pastor and ask him to tell you the story of King David, that you will, you will love it. So he's receiving Jesus. And then they start telling me they recognize the music. So this, this lady, Anne, that we had traveling with us, uh, Peter said that the closest he could think of in the United States would be like Carrie Job. If you ever have heard her music, she's like that level in Tanzania that people, she travels three weekends a month to go do music at places. So they recognize this song. And they're like, we know that song. Who is that? And we're like, oh, it's, it's Anne. And uh, they're like, no, it's not. We don't believe you. And we're like, yeah, come over and see. And they won't go with us. They're like, no, we're not going to. If she's really here, she needs to come over here so that we could see her and know that it's her. And I'm like, oh, yeah, that's fine. We're just standing there talking. She's singing in the middle of the crusade ground. We'd been ministering. I'm over talking to the young guys. She's got the wireless mic. And next thing you know, she comes walking over out of the crusade crowd to where uh, where the young warriors are standing there and they scatter like <laughs> you you would have thought, uh, you know, it was something horrible jumped out at them and, and they scatter. They run. But one of them, he he sees that it's her and she brings him back over to the crowd with everybody else. And he comes and stands and he's singing. So I, I asked with the translator, I'm like, hey. 
what happened to the young warriors? You know, now they, they come back around the corner because they're wanting to see where their friend went. I said, where did the young warriors go? I, I said, I thought a lion jumped out of the bushes and you all ran. And uh, so we're laughing. They were they were having a good humor about it. So that was safe. Uh, but they're, they're laughing along with me. So uh, one place, one place we went, we went to talk to the young guys and Pastor Doug, uh, he, he starts telling them, you want to be a strong man? And he goes, I am a strong man. He shows him his muscle, but he makes this real sudden movement. And I'm like, oh, God, <laughs> protect us, Lord. We're going to die. You know, he's, you know, he makes this sudden movement and they're all like they've got machetes and spears. And, you know, you're like, whoa, easy there, Doug. Um, but they were laughing with me. You know, where's all the young warriors? And then I got to tell Isaiah was the kid that had come out. Uh, I got to tell him later, I said, Isaiah, you were a strong warrior today. You were the bravest one because you came out of the crowd and came over to be a part of what was going on. And he, he looks at me and he says, I must, I must go to a church on Sunday because I need to know more about this. So it was like, it was awesome just seeing David or seeing Isaiah get ministered to and seeing them come out and step out. Uh, I'm just the last couple things I'll share with you and then we'll get going today. You guys. Okay. It's really, it really was a lot of fun. And, and, this is only scratching the surface. You can ask. There will be stories all day. But I just wanted to tell you a little bit about Saleh because it was uh, the birthplace of this false religion, the, the worship of Hambeo. And uh, Hambeo, uh, you know how the devil tries to twist things. Uh, Hambeo had some similarities to the story of Jesus. That Apparently they thought he was raised from the dead, that he created everything. Uh, but he was very petty, very angry. Uh, the, the story was that he had like 200 kids. And he got angry and upset with them, so he turned them all to stone and killed them. And then uh, when he died, they went to find his body, and it was gone. Only his sandals were there, so they thought he had risen from the dead. Uh, but the, the Hambeo worship, what it has become, uh, it's a very misogynistic religion. The, the women, uh, basically the guys all know it's not real, but the women don't. And so like, what they'll do, they have this, this place that we saw the, we saw the gateway to enter in. Uh, it's this ritual site that they go to to talk to Hambeo. And it was in Saleh. There was the gate. And uh, when you go to this ritual place, you must take off all your clothes. And they give you this animal skin to go in. So then you go in to talk to Hambeo. And it's basically uh, like the Wizard of Oz. You know, there's like a guy behind a wall that blows into a, a cow's horn. And that's God speaking to them. So, so they may go there and they may say, oh, you know, here's what God says to you. You, you have offended Hambeo in return for that, you know, talking to the women. You must bring uh, three containers of alcohol and two goats. And then, you know, so it's like, hey, we're, we're going to have a party at the man cave. You know, the, the women are going to make us alcohol and give us goats and we're going to go party. Um, and it, I mean, it, I'm making some light of it, but it was it was horrible because not only was it that, but it was like, and by the way, the, the women must be used by all the men. So, so it's, it's like this, this horrible religion that degrades women and keeps them in bondage. And there really are only like maybe five guys at the most that control all the power. And uh, so uh, the, other, the good thing about that, though, was because there's really only a few people that, that control everything, most of the people in the region hate their religion. Like there's something in them that they know this isn't right. Yeah, this is not how we're supposed to treat our wives. This is not how we're supposed to interact with each other. These these things are destroying our family. So when you're coming in and saying, hey, you know, you're not supposed to talk about that was one of the things they are very resistant. If you say your religion is bad, but if you just come in and say, 
Jesus is good news. He loves you. He, he died for you. He wants you to have a happy life. He wants you to be at peace with your neighbor. He wants to give you joy. They're all about it. They're like, yes, that sounds good to me because it's much better than what I've been experiencing with my religion. Um, but what happened, so the, the first night we're doing crusade in Saleh when you know we're seeing the, the vision of the demons and all this stuff going on, uh, there were 650, 700 people maybe the first night at the crusade. And uh, in the middle of Pastor Bob speaking, uh, the, the elder, we didn't know this at first, but the, the chief elder of the, the bad, demonic, false religion shows up at the crusade waving his machete and angry, like, I'm, I'm here to put a stop to this. And, I mean, all these people start scattering. They're running everywhere. Uh, Pastor Doug said he almost started crying because all he could think of was when Jesus said they're like sheep without a shepherd, that they're just scattered and they begin to run every direction. Uh, so the, the chief elder shows up with his machete and he's angry. Uh, but the people from the village go stop him. Like they're wrestling the machete. He's waving this machete. I mean, this is like real stuff. You get killed, arm chopped off. And they wrestle the machete away from him and kind of get him on his way to his, his own home. So that was uh, disconcerting, to say the least. You know, I, I sent an email to because we, we had an email once, I think, while we were there with one of the missionary phones. I sent an email to Pam and some of the elders. I'm like, pray, pray, because we just like threw rocks at the hornet's nest. And uh, it, it was cool because what was happening while Machete Man was happening, uh, Pastor Bob had just started speaking about the power of the name of Jesus. Just boom, boom, the power of the name of Jesus. Uh, could be completely unrelated, but we found out that night there was, there was an earthquake in Tanzania, like a 5.1 on the Richter scale earthquake somewhere in central Tanzania. But could be completely unrelated, or it could be the name of Jesus pounding the foundation of a false religion. That's what I like to think. So uh, Machete Man, we stirred up the horn's nest. Machete Man comes. In the midst of all this, yeah, there's some chaos happening. Pastor Bob's like, Americans, get in the truck, which was very funny because it's like, well, there's Tanzanians with us too. Or should they run like as a distraction while we leave or something? And the, the Tanzanians later, they felt comfortable enough to tell us that was their highlight of the week. As, you know, Pastor Bob starts yelling, Americans, get in the truck. And uh, Frank, the interpreter, says, I was up on stage interpreting. And then the next thing I know, I'm by myself. And I'm thinking... Who was I speaking with? Who was, who was preaching? And uh, so they thought that was hilarious. But at the time, it was very disconcerting because there's a crazy you know, high priest of a religion with a machete coming to your meeting to disrupt things and cause. And he was not the only one that came that night. There was there were some other men that came and were angry and wanted people to leave. Um, so we're, we're praying. And in the midst of all the chaos, I'm praying for this lady. At the, at the, she had responded to the altar call for healing. She starts telling me I can't see out of my eye. So I'm like, that's sweet. We've seen that earlier this week. God can do it. He's, he's, he's awesome. So I start praying for her, and uh, she starts telling me I, I have a little bit of sight that's coming back, but it feels like there's something heavy on my eye, and it feels like you know some fire. So she starts, she starts describing the same symptoms of like, I have this pain in my head. It shoots through my chest, goes all the way down to my leg. So I take her back behind the stage. So there's chaos. Americans get in the truck. And it, what hit me was, uh, you remember the story when the, the dad brought the demon possessed son to Jesus. And it says the, the boy, the demon threw him on the ground. So here's Jesus, the boys on the ground flopping, the demons manifesting. And Jesus is talking to the dad. And the dad says, I believe help my unbelief. 
It's like Jesus, Jesus wasn't phased by the chaos. You know, the devil manifesting. Jesus' mission was to relieve that father of his unbelief. And it's like he kept his eyes on the mission. So it's like in the midst of all this chaos that's going on around me, I'm praying with this lady. I say, okay, you know, you're, what you're describing, I said, have you ever given your life to Jesus? And she says, no, but I would like to. So we start praying and she receives Jesus. I says, okay, now what we're going to do is we're going to pray and we're going to renounce any time you've been involved in witchcraft. And she starts praying this prayer. And there, there was no super huge manifestation. It wasn't like these devils started talking or anything. But as soon as she gets done praying that prayer, the pain completely left her body. She says, I can totally see out of my eye again. She's, she's saved, healed, and delivered. So for me, it was like, hey, here's the devil manifesting. There's all this chaos going on. But the mission was set these people free from their unbelief. And so she got saved, healed, and delivered right there in the midst of the chaos. She was at the meeting the next night, testified. You know, I can, I can see Jesus set me free. She was actually the one that I asked her what she felt. And she said, I felt like a weight came off, like something left my body. Um, so I will encourage you that even in the midst of chaos and in the devil manifesting all around you in your life, keep your eyes on your mission. Because we, we are here to set people free, to share the good news with them, to see the gospel spread throughout the land. And the devil tries to distract us from that mission any way that he can. Um, gosh, so many good stories, but I'm going to close. Um, Pastor Bob prophesied that there would be rain because they had not had rain in their village for almost a year. And uh, that was on the first night in the midst of all the chaos. The, the second night, as soon as we get there, there's clouds and it's, it's sprinkling. <laughs> so we just, we just prayed and said, Lord, thank you for the first fruits of the rain. We believe that this means the drought is over. Uh, when we left, uh, about 20, 30 minutes from where we were having the crusade was a downpour. Like we just, we went back to the place we were staying and sat out in the rain and just like, oh God, you're so good. And uh, found out there's like a, somebody told one of the interpreters, if it rains this week in our village, I will get saved. So it was like, it was a big deal. So we're just believing that even the first fruits and the rain we saw in the region was going to hit their region. And God was just going to continue to do amazing things. Uh, go ahead and stand on your feet. And we'll just, we'll just pray and get ready to go this morning. Uh, you've, been, you've been very patient and gracious. Thank you so much for just listening to our stories, but thank you also for sending us and continuing to pray for us while we were there. I know that uh, your prayers made a difference and uh, changed the life of a nation. I'm, I'm believing that uh, there's a group of people we went to that are going to be moved from the unreached category into the reached category very soon. The seeds were already planted. The, the foundation of the enemy's work was destroyed and began to crumble in that place even while we were there. So we're going to continue to pray for the people of that region. Uh, but we're also just going to pray and ask God to stir us with a, with a mindset to go. You know, you may not have to go all the way to Africa. You know, I thank God for the opportunity we got to go, the things we got to see. But we are called to go no matter where we are. And that, that could look like go to the grocery store. That could, that could be go to your neighbor's house and let what God has deposited in you come out. Because we've all been given something. You, know, you, you don't have to be this deep theological Bible teacher to go to your neighbor and just to say, you know what? 
God loves you. He loves me so much. I just want to share with you what he's done in my life. So that's why I want, as we're we're praying to close, I just want you to close your eyes and ask God, send me, Lord. If if you're really willing to do that, just say, Lord, it may be to Africa or it may be right across the street, but I'm willing, God, just send me. And Lord, I ask right now, as, as people all over this room are expressing that to you, as they're declaring their willingness to go, God, I ask for opportunities, starting even this afternoon, Lord God, that we would have things come across our path, opportunities where we could open our mouth, where we would not remain silent, where we would really come to an understanding that the kingdom of God is greater than the kingdom of this world, that the one who lives inside of us is greater than the one that is in the world, that you would stir us with that vision, Lord God, that we would see that you've given us freedom, you've given us joy, you've given us peace, you've given us hope, you've given us things that we can give away to others. God, we see that the world is in desperate need to receive those things. And you've been so great that you've given them to us. God, let us be faithful to pass them along to others, to freely give away what you've given to us. Lord, anoint your people, even as we leave this place, Lord. Let us leave with a renewed sense of the reality of your kingdom, that your power is real, that your victory is secure, that it triumphs over all. Let us leave here even more convinced than when we came in that you are a God that is alive and saves, heals, and delivers people every single day. Lord, we thank you that nothing is too difficult for you. And God, we thank you that as we go from this place, we carry your power within us to share with others. Bless your people, Lord God. Let your goodness and your mercy continue to follow us everywhere that we go. Let your favor be upon us. Let your face continue to shine on us. I give you glory and honor, Lord, in Jesus' name.